You're listening to Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Barksdale. Hey, everybody, it's Jack Barksdale here. Welcome to another episode of Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. I'm here with Diana Cox with the Kessler, and it's just so great to have you here. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Some of my favorite shows that I've ever seen were at the Kessler. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I got to see the Trishas play with Chuck Cannon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chuck Cannon opened for them. And after Chuck set, I went over and told him that I had started playing guitar and writing songs. And he told me to play every day and Mm -hmm. write as much as I can. And mm-hmm. so I, I did, I tried to, even when we went on like an airplane or somewhere I could, and I couldn't bring my guitar, I went to, we would go to a guitar store and I would play guitar. Yeah. It's and, good advice, right? <laughs> yeah. That was probably the, the best advice that I, that I had gotten, mm-hmm. that I have gotten. I've seen some great shows there. I've got to, I've gotten to play with Ray Wiley Hubbard there. Mm-hmm. I, I love the Kessler. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm super biased, but I do too. I think it's, yeah. we get some really special, special things here for sure. Yeah. So how did you get involved with the Kessler? So I kind of, you know, it sounds silly, but I kind of fell into it. Um, I had been working with a, um, a, ven- a small venue in Dallas, Indie Bellum called The Grange, which is now no longer exists. Um, and at the time I was, teaching community college to Texas government for many years at the community oh. college. And I was an officer in the national guard and I was working at that venue. And we, after that venue closed, my, uh, my friend who, who um, owned it and I were doing freelance event coordinations. We're doing pop-up events. Cause I was obviously somewhat busy because I was yeah. teaching and doing my military obligations. Yeah. So, um, and we ended up connecting with um, uh, the owner of the Kessler and so kind of came on just doing some events, picking up some extra, um, you know, helping out with some on the administrative and office side. Um, and then as the business was growing, um, my uh, interest grew, as did the responsibilities. And um, here we are eight years later. Uh, I am uh, the director of operations for Kessler Presents. Um, we, um, I, I, I stopped teaching and I'm no longer in the military because I don't have time for all of that anymore, but, um, yeah, we have two venues and we put on shows across the state. We do appearances at festivals, which I know, I think, actually, I think it's been just over a year since I've seen you in person, which was at Folk Alliance last year. We were both there. And, um, so, so yeah, so it's, it's something that developed over time. I kind of just, you know, music's always been important to me. Um, I was a punk rock kid from the mid cities between Dallas and Fort Worth. And I say that my first concert ever was Garth Brooks. So, I mean, I'm not just all punk rock. And then, and then, um, and and was always into music. I did a little bit of booking here and there. I've been in bands. Um, but to, as far as having a career in the industry, it wasn't something I distinctly sought out it was something that worked out for me and I, and I love it truly. Oh. And I feel lucky to be with such a unique organization because the type of music and venues that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Could you kind of tell us about what Ke- the Kessler and Kessler presents 
uh, what what they're doing and what makes it so unique sure yeah so the kessler theater in dallas it's in oak cliff um it's um a historic movie house from built in 1941 it was once owned by gene autry the singing cowboy um it was hit by a uh the tornado of 1957 uh, and sustained pretty serious damage but rebuilt um, it was uh, had a pretty bad fire in the early 60s. Um, then it was restored. So it was rebuilt kind of, but mostly left as storage or um, like, a, I think it was a sewing shop for a while, but not really in major use until the um, late aughts, if you will. So in around um, 2010 was when it reopened as a music venue in yeah. Dallas. And then in uh, 2016, we um, our organization expanded again into Houston, and we have um, the Heights Theater in the um, uh, in the Heights neighborhood in Houston. It's another historic movie house um, that was from actually the 20s. Um, it was also it was a it was a victim of arson at one point in time in the 60s, and then um, has been, was an art gallery for several years, and now uh, we operate the Heights Theater there as well. Uh, both of our venues are they're listening rooms, and I think yeah. that's probably what you you know you know about it. And there, we have uh, uh, the rooms have been designed to be audio pleasant, no matter what. Right? Yeah. It is where you know. Yes, you're going to want a good PA in the room, and obviously we have that. But you can also have the pin drop moment where maybe the artist steps back from the microphone and you can still hear that sound across the room when they just let it, you know, full, fully acoustic, if you will. And, um, but that doesn't mean we can't have our rock and roll shows too, because we have some of those. Uh, yeah. But it, we, we try to make sure that we have respectful audiences. Our, our rooms are unique in the field, you know, you're in a historic movie house or, an old, or you yeah. know you're in an old building, you know, it's got a, a vibe to it. It's got a, a feeling to it. And then with that, you know, we're presenting artists that are, you know, very unique in a lot of ways, a lot of Americana, which I know is, you know, Americana folk kind of stuff. You're, I know that's definitely your wheelhouse, but, um, but not just that, but it really allows for the artist to shine and it allows for our audience to, you know, not have more audience noise than artist noise. Right. It's yeah. where you get it. You get, you get to hear the artist and not the people at the table over jabbering the whole time yeah. is the idea. Uh -huh. We, call, we have our concert etiquette policies, and we just basically say, if everybody's sitting quietly, then you should too. If everybody's up clapping and dancing, then you should too. But kind of read the surroundings to make the best experience for the artist and the other guests at the show. Yeah, uh -huh. and that's probably why the Kessler is so great. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, thanks. it's really just a place for the artist and for listening. Yeah. Absolutely. You want, to, you want to be able to experience the show truly. And that's, that's the big key. Yeah. So uh, I know you told us a little bit about it, but uh, I would like to know kind of how you got into the music business. Um, well, just being a music fan for a long time. Um, I mean, my little, my little tiny bit of background, I guess, on that is, you know, I've, I was uh, in a roller derby league at one point in time. And with that, I, we would book bands sometimes. So I'd help with that. Um, I, um, was in a band myself for a while. It kind of dovetailed from that. Um, just mostly was doing some backing vocals, but eventually it was about 50, 50 vocals. Um, 
And then um, that band's long gone, but <laughs> so, but we, you know, and just that kind of exposure to the music world, um, working in another venue, um, even just working the door, meeting artists, doing, you know, doing the light booking, things like that. Mm-hmm. just really kind of was interesting to me um, in a lot of ways. And, and being a music fan, it's hard to not think about like, what well, I could do this all the time. I could be around music all the time. It's just, that's kind of like, you know, a, a, a perfect scenario, if you will, if you can make it work. Um, right. Now I get to do fun stuff sometimes, you know, and, and so as, as I was doing, you know, a lot of, of the event events, private events, parties, sometimes you have bands, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's just, you know, coordinating caterers, but other times you're getting to be part of people's special events in a unique room. You care about that part. It doesn't matter, but also, you know, if people are having an event with the, with the Kessler or the Heights Theater, they're usually there because they have a special attachment to it. So it'd be things like, oh, my, my fiance and I got, I went to our first date at a concert at the Kessler and now we want to get married there. Fun stories like that. So it's yeah. kind of the, that those two things kind of tied in. Um, and then as I, like I said, when I kind of got, um, uh, kind of came on doing some events and administrative stuff and I'm a music fan and a consumer of music. Uh, I've had the pleasure of getting to a little bit of booking, which is something I really enjoy, um, especially when it gets me the opportunity to spotlight artists I know, um, artists that I enjoy, that I think are up and coming, that should be spotlighted and featured in our rooms and given getting that opportunity to seek out um, artists that may be a good fit for us. Um, or or just advocate for them. I think that's a really cool part of my job that's come from being a music fan into what I do with the organization now. Wow, you've done so many cool things. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that you were, had done so many crazy things. That's all. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. It's, I keep it interesting. I try to. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Wear many hats. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My day to day doesn't isn't always that exciting. We talk yeah. about you know working in the music industry. Usually, I spend a lot of time checking emails, signing contracts, yeah. making sure the, you know the people are getting paid, making right. sure that yeah. everything's in order. Like not, it's not the the day to day isn't always exciting, but when it's but it's always cool because of what it's part of. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. It all has to be done, and it makes all of it work. So, yes. yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to do the boring stuff to get get the boring stuff out of the way, so you could do the fun stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I don't even think I can do an interview without talking about the past year, and uh, yeah, and, you know, that's taken a you know a big hit on musicians and music venues. For sure. And how have you and the and Kessler Presents and the Kessler and the Hyatt, how have y'all navigated through that? Well, you know, we, um, I think like a lot of people, um, last March when things, you know, we, we had a show on a Thursday night and Friday night we were closed. That's how fast it happened. And, and I think as most people know, it was, you know, and everybody's kind of in the mindset, I think, in our industry, we just couldn't wrap our brains around it being more than, oh, it's only going to be a couple of weeks or maybe a month. And I think that's where all, everybody was kind of at for a minute. Um, so we, you know, spent a lot of time rescheduling concerts, 
and then rescheduling them again and rescheduling them again. Um, I joked with our, um, um, our, um, another member of our team that we were playing calendar Tetris at one point, yes. just trying to figure out like guessing where it's going to fit. Maybe it'll go on that day. I don't know. But so um, we did a lot of that. And, um, you know, we had March of last year was uh, March of 2020 was actually the 10th anniversary of the Kessler theater. Oh, so wow. while we were prepping, we had just gotten a brand new batch of t-shirts in, we were about to start selling those at shows and, yeah. um, and uh, we turned it actually into a fundraiser for some um, to raise a little bit of money for some of our crew members that were going to yeah. be out of work. Um, we uh, kept just had to keep a close eye on things and really try to figure out when we should reopen. Um, not necessarily when we could, but when we should. And yeah. what um, we were, we kind of just spent a lot of time advocating for um, with the Music Venue Alliance of Texas for um, the Save Our Stages Act. And then, um, which passed, and now it's called the Shuttered Venues, op Shuttered Ven Venue Operators Grant, which we're, which we'll be opening up applications any day now. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, long time coming. And then yes. um, when we spent a lot of time with measuring tapes in our rooms, rearranging furniture to see what we could do in our spaces to put shows on again. Um, and we started putting on, and, and at the Kessler, we also had the opportunity to redo our little lawn out back behind the venue that would have been mm -hmm. not in use, just literally, it was just grass. And so we decided to build an outdoor stage and put in some picnic tables and, uh, and start to, uh, we call it the, the green at the Kessler it's on the grass. So it's a little outdoor area. And we started, we did a little fall concert series out there. Uh -huh. And then we started doing shows indoors again at a very reduced capacity. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, if you overall, we were operating about 25, 30% capacity. Uh -huh. Um, and we've been putting shows on in that way for the last, since October. Um, so just super reduced capacity. A lot of times that means that the artist has to do two shows in a night because yeah. the only way it makes sense when you can't play for that many people and to make it make sense for us to be open and for them to come to town if they're not local. You just, you know, yeah. everybody just made adjustments. I think a lot of people have done that is, you yeah. know, two shows in a night. That's, that's crazy. So we've been looking forward to over the last uh, over the next few months, incrementally, very, very cautiously increment, uh, increasing our capacity for our seated shows uh, coming up in the future. So, yeah, that's which awesome. is we're just continuing to watch and do what we can, you know. Yeah, I can't wait to go go and see another Kessler show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is. We got some good ones coming. I think I, I think yeah. I heard y'all are already eyeballing one. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a cool experience, the Kessler. Can't wait to go back. Yeah. And see another show. Yeah. What do you think will be the the future for the Kessler, or just live music in general, in your opinion? I I really think that um, assuming that things go as they appear to be going with the pandemic, that as people, I think people are hungry to get back out. I think people are hungry to experience live music. Yeah. Um, and I know artists not only are hungry to get paid, but also are, uh, have been writing a lot, yeah. lot during time. I think we're going to see a deluge of album releases over the next couple of years because of it. 
and they're going to want to be out performing. I think people are going to have to adjust a little bit. Everybody's used to watching a live stream on their phone whenever they feel like it. They're going to have to get back used to when they're comfortable being around people and being out experiencing live music. But to me, nothing compares to live music experience. Um, I know everybody's done what they could to, to, to wonderful streams, wonderful online festivals. They've been really great but nothing compares to an online, like a live performance. You have to see it in person. It's, it's something emotional, I think, um, and and important. So, so I think, I think we're going to be, I think there is going to be, you know, some changes to the industry. I think that it's going to be, you know, obviously incremental as people get used to the idea of when people feel safe, getting used to the idea of going out again and going to concerts, um, I think there will be some changes in the industry as far as the, um, I think you're going to see some just changes in general, as far as which venues are still here, which, um, what happens overall, as far as streaming, does it continue in the way that it has? I I don't have that answer, but I do. I'm sorry. I've talked to a couple of artists that are really big into the live streamings. Yeah. And they're saying that they, just can't wait to do live shows again, but they're probably going to keep doing live streams as well because it, yeah. it reaches a totally different audience. It does. Yeah. And so, and that's a change to the industry, right? I mean, yeah. cause people have perfected being able to do that from home or from a venue or whatever yeah. that they hadn't been able to do before. So it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a change. Um, but, but once again, you know, our, our focus here has been on live music. And so that's how we just focused on yeah. getting back to that. But I think, you know, it, it's going to change the artists. Um, I think a lot of people aren't, I, I hope that people will not take live music for granted after yeah. this. That's my biggest hope. Yeah, me too. Do you have any advice for musicians or or really anybody in the music industry, you know, from your perspective? You know, I would say a couple of things. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> I'm not great. I'm not perfect at that, but I'll do my best. I think a couple of things would be first um, for, for a musician that's trying to get out into new venues. I think really important things to always have in the back pocket are a decent quality live video. Of a, of an of a of a of a um, an original song. Yeah. It sounds silly. They don't need to go hire a whole video crew. Just, but not, but don't have your friend in the front row waving their camera around. Have it still. <laughs> yeah. But a nice still live video is super helpful because it tells other artists, it tells fans, it tells um, people that might be booking or looking for artists that it shows us literally how you perform live, right? And and so to have that when I when it's someone that hasn't seen you before it is really nice, um, you know. And, and so that's one of that's one of the recommendations I would give. And I think that that's just important to think about for especially like I said, artists that are trying to get in new places. Yeah, that's one of my biggest tips. Uh, when watching yourself live, I think can be really I help you improve your own performance as well because you see what other people see. Awesome. Even though it's not always comfortable to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. It's like, wow. It's hard to do for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it is very hard to do. So as far as other jobs in the, in music industry, um, 
I would just say that, you know, it's not just people that are performing or booking a band. There's everything from technical side to stage management to, um, you know, bartenders to marketing to office support, things like that. There's also, there's a lot of, I think that maybe are like not the traditional way people think about being in the music industry, but can lead to that. Yeah. I I have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. You do most of the booking for the Kessler, right? No, no, no. Yeah. So I'm, I do operations. I do work oh, a yeah. lot on the openers, um, oh, yes. support yes. artists. Yeah, I, do. I work a lot on that with one of my counterparts, um, Jeff Lyles and um, Mark Austin. And then also I work with um, a lot on our uh, our green space with, uh, with Jeff Lyles on yeah. the booking for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but you do do a lot of the booking for it. For, for those specific parts, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you, you really do a lot for the Kessler, and I was thinking, what would be your like dream show that you would like to have? <sighs> That's tough. I, I, I'm so I'm one of my personal flaws is I'm terrible at like favorites and lists. So, um, do I have my dream list of artists that I would bring into the Kessler? Absolutely, but I would be so hesitant to say them out loud. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, as a, as a, as I guess said, I was a punk rock kid. There's a lot of um, older punk rock artists who do yeah. uh, solo Americana stuff now. And so a lot of those would be on my list. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I, there's just been so many artists that we've, you know, had through that were like, oh, I've been waiting for this person to play here and we finally got them. Um, and, and moments like that, um, that it would be so, I mean, I, I feel like I'd leave people out if I even tried to list. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I do keep a sticky note of my need to book on my, on my monitor at all times. Yeah. So I've got a sticky note of all my, um, my wish list for my local and regional artists to get on our yeah. stages sit, awesome. that I look at every day, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for doing this interview with me. It was so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm sorry about the connectivity issues, um, oh, but I really appreciate it and uh, glad, glad, uh, glad to be invited. It was so great getting to learn about you. And you've got an album coming out, right? Hopefully, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exciting too. Yeah, yeah. I'm hopeful, hoping to, to do that soon. Yeah, thank you everybody for listening. This is Jack Bartstill's Roots Bible, and I hope to see you next time.